0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are, an abysmal season for the Blue Jackets leads to their head coach getting fired. Can the Bruins break the president's trophy curse? Previewing the first round of the NHL playoffs. The Colts are now on the clock, predicting picks four through six in this year's NFL draft. NBA award finalists have been announced who will be taking home some hardware injuries is the buzzword during the NBA playoff talk segment. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade Colton cow. Thanks Matt. We're here on a Tuesday
1: night, a uh, beautiful day here in, in Delaware, Ohio. Um, I'm going to get started with a little bit of, a little bit of hockey news uh, pretty close to home here with, with the hometown blue jackets. Like Matt mentioned, fortunately blue jackets looking for a new, new uh, head coach at the, at the helm. Um after two seasons uh Brad Larson uh going to be on the unemployment line and and the Blue Jackets searching searching for answers at you know an important position or important uh job for for the Blue Jackets we'll see what they what they decide to do Matt what's your what's your thoughts on this or you know what what, what do you think about this
0: yeah it was definitely time here i think when Larson got hired he was really kind of in over his head he was, he's never had any nhl coaching head coaching experience he's always been an assistant and in his two years here with the Jackets, he only went 62, 86, and sixteen, and that actually gotten progressively worse. Mm-hmm. The record this year was worse than the record was in his first season as the coach. Right. So you know when you're trending downwards, and it's you're talking a guy with no real NHL experience, you're not going to get a long long bit of string there. So I think it was time. Mm-hmm. It was time to pull the pull the trigger here, get rid of him, and and try to find somebody who can turn this franchise back around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just.
1: I don't know that this was a great hire from the very beginning. Right. Uh, to me, it just seemed very odd, uh, just because they got rid of obviously, you know, previous to to Brad Larson, you know, they had probably their best coach in franchise history in John Tortorella, and 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 let him go. Well, Larson, you know, served as an assistant for for you know Tortorella for you know a handful of years, so it just seemed like it was the same. Like I, I felt like they got rid of Tortorella because they wanted to go in a new direction. Mm-hmm.
0: But they then hired they hired the a guy. guy
1: that, that you know, somewhat was already on his staff and right. somewhat was going to probably be somewhat of the same kind of guy or the same kind of mentality or whatever. So I just, yeah, it was a very strange move, I think, for for the Blue Jackets when they did hire Larson. I just, yeah, don't think it was fair for either either side in this sense. You know, obviously Larson getting his first uh, head coaching experience, but I just don't think it was the right opportunity because I just don't know that he was really put into a situation where he could succeed, if you will, Um, just because, yeah, I I think for this guy to continue with the Blue Jackets, he was going to have to set the world on fire. Well, unfortunately, the Blue Jackets were somewhat in full rebuild mode a little Mm. bit in his first season. And then, you know, second season, yeah, they added, you know, some pieces, but
0: still wasn't, a team that was ready to compete for uh, until the blue jackets go out and get a goalie that mm-hmm. can that can compete at the elite level right. every, every night that he plays out there that they're they're not gonna be much better they're than the they are right home. now. Yeah, you right. know that that's the key to to winning mm-hmm. hockey and, and definitely in in the playoffs which will be part of our next segment here. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Um you know obviously like I mentioned, you know, terrible,
1: terrible season, you know, this year, uh finished dead last in the Eastern Conference and was actually second to worst in the, in the entire, you know, hockey, uh, league. Um, but you know, this was a season, obviously the blue jackets also ravaged by, by injuries. It seemed like they, yeah, just, and again, every team goes through it, but this seemed to, to hit the blue jackets harder than, than most teams it just seemed like they get, get, one guy back and then you know they immediately lose another one and and you know some of the some of the guys they lost two or three times during the season um and yeah just no no way to have any kind of continuity when when you your lineup constantly you know changing um you know i guess if there is one positive or maybe a silver lining out of this out of this uh you know this bad season for the blue jackets they do have about a 14 percent chance to get the number one pick so i mean that's I guess if that's what you're going for or that's, you know, how the season plays out, you hope that, you know, all this losing was not for nothing at this point. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, I think the the lottery for for the NHL um, draft is, is coming up here in a few weeks. So we'll see if the, the hometown Blue Jackets can, you know, land the number one pick. Obviously, a very... Um, Brief stint here in the you know only been in the in in existence for about twenty some years now. Um, They were kind of an expansion team back in back in two thousand. But you know this is this is a team that obviously hasn't been around for too long, but uh, you know has had as of recent has made some some playoff moves or you know has made some playoff pushes and you know taken some of those top teams to to the brink. Um, But have never advanced past the second round of the playoffs uh you know since since they've been around so i think that's obviously their next step to to show that they're you know somewhat of an, an elite uh you know organization but yeah I, I have to agree uh they have to get you know somebody in that net that they can right. rely on rely on you net know, day you know night in and night out um but it, it, it's kind of ironic you mentioned that because not only did they let go of their head coach but Their goaltending coach also was was let go after five five years with the team. So, um, you know, probably you know, rightfully so. Obviously, you know,
0: a lot of pieces. A couple of those young guys in net, you know, Mm -hmm. have been talked about as good young up and comers, and and they're getting worse. So, right, that's that's definitely you know reason to to let that goaltending coach go. But you know, we've seen what having the number one overall pick can do for a franchise. Mm -hmm. You, You look at a. A franchise like the Edmonton Oilers, you know, they they get a guy like Connor McGregor or not Conor, McGregor. I'm sorry, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. Yeah, yep. yeah. And he he turned them around from one of the worst franchises in hockey to to one of the better ones. Right, and then yeah. you, you look at uh Pittsburgh back back in the day when mm-hmm. they went out and got Sidney Crosby yep. in the draft, yeah, and, and the rest was history. There, they absolutely. were playoff title contenders every year. So. Mm-hmm. One guy can can make a huge difference in hockey if you if you pick the right guy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from what I've told or kind of what I read a little bit, there is the guy that's going to be the number one pick, they say, is maybe the next Connor McDavid type guy, just an overall, you know, phenomenal hockey player um, that, you know, somewhat probably teams were tanking for to, to be able to have a good chance at, at drafting him. And then we'll see if the Blue Jackets can get there can get their opportunity and, you know, maybe turn their, turn their franchise around. Um, but it'll be yeah even more interesting to see what the Blue Jackets do, you know, hiring a new head coach. Mm-hmm. What do they, what do they do? Obviously they tried the, you know, the assistant coach route that didn't have any experience head coaching experience. I highly doubt they'd go that route again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may pick up an assistant coach, a current assistant coach that has had previous head coaching experience or they may go, you know, for, for somebody, you know, we'll, we'll see what they, what they decide if they go for more of a, a, a hometown name or, you know, somebody, a, a name that people are more familiar with right. in, in hockey or, uh, you know, obviously we'll see how the, how the playoffs kind of shake out and, and you'll see if there's any, you know, coaches in that sense that get let go that just kind of fall short of expectations and, right. you know, get, get uh, let go of their, their head coaching duties at their respective clubs. But uh, you know, yeah, I don't, I, I expect the the Blue Jackets to you know take their take their time a little bit on the on this one. I, I feel like they may have rushed into things. Maybe the last time right. when they when they hired Brad Larson, um, you know, because there was I think more qualified guys out there, but uh, you know just decided to stay somewhat in house and, mm-hmm. and and keep you know keep Larson and, and keep him you know as the head coach and just see what he could do. And unfortunately, unfortunately, him just didn't you know didn't play out the way you know. I I think that both. Both sides wanted it to play out here, but uh, you know we'll we'll see. I, I think you know Larson will obviously land back on his feet, find you know, right?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, he'll get an assistant job right, somewhere, right? Right. You know, if, if the Jackets are kind of looking outside of the box and, and they want a guy with no coaching experience, yeah, want a hometown hero, why not? Uh, give rick nash a call there you go I mean, he just retired a year ago there mm-hmm. and yeah i'm sure he, he'd love to get back into the game right i, I don't know if it would work or not but right, if, right. You, if you're looking to sell tickets and get some butts back in the stand yeah uh, that might yeah. be a way to go absolutely yeah. yeah yeah obviously a familiar name with
1: with the blue jackets crowd. uh but yeah we'll we'll see what they what they decide to do obviously got a couple of big decisions obviously if if they're not picking number one they're more than likely going to be picking in the top probably top three or top five at least uh so you know big decision there on who they're who they're going to take and then you know who they're uh you know going to have as their next as their next head coach. So all right, well, more hockey news but uh for the teams that actually succeeded this year, <laughs> right. uh we're going to be talking about the, you know, the teams that made the made the playoffs this year going to be previewing and uh yesterday night the uh got got kicked off with a, with a handful of games you know happening last night. So going to just kind of run through real quick you know some of the some of the series so far and you know we uh, kind of talked a couple of weeks ago about you know some of the teams that we thought make the playoffs some of those positions some of the seeding or whatnot in in the playoffs so uh
0: i think we pretty pretty well nailed it, mm-hmm, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. We'll it
1: yeah. yeah um you know so we'll start we'll start over in the Eastern Conference where. Not only the best team in the East, but best team in hockey sits right now, and that's the Boston Bruins, uh, finished with 135 points in the in the regular season. Taking on the uh, the wild card, the number two uh, wild card team in the Florida Panthers with uh, with 92 points. Uh, Bruins got got their playoff you know uh, season kicked off last night with a three to one victory in, in game one. Currently up one nothing in their in their series, best of seven series against the Panthers. Um, you know, ironically, these two teams they tied two to two yeah. in the in the regular season. So, uh, Matt, what's your what's your thoughts on that series, or what what do you think? Any any chance the Panthers have to knock off the Bruins in this one?
0: You know, the, I think when it comes to playoff hockey time, it's all about goaltending, mm-hmm. and and that's where Boston has really succeeded this year mm-hmm. on, on the season. They've given up 174 goals. Now you, you look at Florida in comparison on that. Given up 272 almost 100 more goals on this season Mm -hmm. that's going to be almost next to impossible to overcome for the florida panthers you know i look for boston to win this this thing easily florida can probably sneak sneak one Mm out of here but i think boston boston wins going away
1: yeah i i I gotta agree i think for the panthers to have any chance in this one they got to get started early and in in starts in the first period they I, i saw a crazy stat they only have four wins when they're trailing after the first period. So they're not a team that likes to come back, you know, come from behind. So they either got to be, you know, tied after that first period or have a lead after that first period, because if not, they're not a team that likes to come from behind. Um, So I just, I, they need to start fast and start, you know, start quick in these, in these games can't get down, but obviously easier said than done against, you know, a Boston team that, I mean, set, records upon records of, you know, points, overall record wins, you name it, they set the record right. for it. Um, so it's obviously, yeah, going to be easier said than done. Um, you know, this is this is a team, Boston, I guess if you could say that there's one chink in the armor, it's that they, they don't do a very good job of scoring um, in the power play. Um, they are ranked outside the top 10 um, in power play conversion percentage of about 22% when it comes to, uh, you know, converting on the power play. So I guess if you can name one thing that they're not good at, and again, they're 12th, which is still (laughs) top half in the league. um, You know, I, I I think they're, they're doing all right, but you know, on the, on the flip side, you know, the Bruins, when it comes to killing the penalty, you know, killing, killing the power play, nobody better in hockey. They, they almost kill it 90% of the time. So they, they, may not score as well when they have the advantage, but they for sure aren't letting you score when you got yeah. the advantage. So that's that's huge when it comes playoff time because those are usually sometimes the difference makers when it comes playoff time is the teams that get more of those power play opportunities, do they convert on them or or are the teams that that you know get the get the necessary stops. So I don't know. I I think that this first round, you know, matchup for the Bruins is probably in their in their favor. I think they match up pretty well against the Panthers. I, I I think a clean sweep here in the in the first round. Yeah. Then uh continuing on with the East uh the number 1 seed out of the Metropolitan Division taking on that is the Carolina Hurricanes with a finished with 113 points taking on the uh the number 1 seeded wildcard team which was the New York Islanders who finished with uh 93 points. Um Hurricanes currently lead, uh, one nothing. They got a win last night by a score of two to one. Hurricanes bested the Islanders three to one in the regular season. Uh, Matt, what's your any any thoughts on this one? You know, do you think Islanders may have a chance, or
0: Carolina gonna gonna pull this one out too? I, I think this will be a, a, a longer series. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think this can go potential five six games. Yeah. But I think Carolina they're they're slightly better in almost every statistical category mm-hmm. and. I, you know they showed last night they were the better team in that in that matchup and really throughout the regular season they've shown they're the better team so mm-hmm. I think Carolina ultimately gets it done but I do think New York puts up puts up a fight.
1: Okay, yeah, I think for me I think it's just going to be tough. This Islanders team they they already struggle to score goals they they score on average less than three goals a game. Their power play they're third worst in the league in power play conversion. And it's just not a good matchup for them because this is a Carolina team that probably their their best side of the ice is the defense. Right. Uh, they give up less than two and a half goals a game. Uh, they give up the fewest shots, uh, fewest shots per game, um, and they're second behind Boston, like I mentioned in the in the penalty kill percentage. Obviously, the Islanders not so good when it comes to the power play, but. I just think, yeah, obviously those are always good opportunities to possibly sneak one in past right. the goal. Absolutely. I just don't like this matchup for for the Islanders, especially not being able to to, to score against a, a team that already limits your opportunities. Right. I, I think Carolina, you know, gets gets a win here. Maybe the Islanders sneak one, get get one. Um, you know, that first game was a close one, two to two to one there, but uh, ultimately I think I think the Hurricanes uh, get the get the win in advance in the next to the next rounds. Then continuing with the East, I think probably the two games that to me are probably the best the better of the two the two matchups here in the in the East, and that's um, in the Atlantic we got the two-seed. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs finished with 111 points. Going up against the three-seed uh, from the Atlantic, the Tampa Bay Lightning who finished the season with 98, 98 points. Uh, Maple Leafs did take the regular season two-to-one and um, and game one is going to get kicked off, kicked off tonight. Um, but this is one I, I I like. I think you know, obviously, two teams that are always towards the top in the standings, always you know, there in the playoffs. Uh, Toronto, for me, Toronto, it's it's a hundred percent mental for them in this one. They have been eliminated in the first round six straight playoffs. Wow! So for but and it, and, always, and it hasn't always been that they've By been a better team. they're always the 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 better team. It seems like in those playoffs, but to me it just seems like yeah a mental thing that they just can't get over get over the hump. And, and it's it's fortunate because they get to go against a team that's always great when it comes to playoff time with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right somewhat stumbling into this into this playoffs they lost eight of their last 12 games the tampa bay lightning did um matt what do you what do you think about this series
0: yeah you know watching this tampa bay team this year they're definitely not the tampa bay of old they Mm -hmm. they kind of struggled all season long i mean to the tune of, of being a number three seed. So, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I guess it give me that struggling every mm-hmm. year, especially yeah. as a Blue Jackets fan. Right, but... just shy of 100 points. <laughs> so, so Right. But but they, they still haven't been themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't looked like that team that's going to come into the playoffs mm-hmm. and be dominant. Yeah. Like I said, Toronto did take the regular season series two games to one. Right. And you look at these two teams in goal this year, Toronto's given up 220 goals, mm-hmm. where Tampa Bay's given up uh, 32 more goals in the season, mm-hmm. give up 252. Yeah. So Tampa Bay is a little more susceptible to giving up goals in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think if Toronto can can get ahead to a, a little bit of a lead, yep. I, I think they can pull away with this thing. I, I think this thing probably goes the distance. So mm-hmm. these are two great teams. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a battle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's uh, you know, funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I had for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is a team that's still they're still scoring like the Tampa Bay Lightning we're used to seeing. Is the defense that really has fallen off from what we're used to seeing with the Tampa Bay Lightning team? Uh, you mentioned it. You know, they give up. A little over three goals a game but for me that the big stat is they're giving up almost 32 shots a game which you know for me is just yeah very very odd for a tampa bay team and obviously they got one of the best in the business in goalie and andre vasilevsky um still got him in the goal but i just think that i mean at some point yeah you you, you start giving up that many shots to a a maple leaves team that can really score the score of the right. puck uh it, it's going to spell spell bad things for you, but yeah, I, I like this one to go the distance, but I, I think the Maple Leaves finally get over the hump. They, they knock out, you know, this Tampa Bay lightning team. That's been a staple in the Stanley cup finals these last, you know, several years. Uh, I think that they finally get some, get some probably much needed rest in the, in the first round and, you know, going to be watching the playoffs from the, from, from the couch, the rest of the, the rest of the way. But um, then moving over to the last last matchup in the East, uh, the two seed Metrop- Metropolitan, the New Jersey, you know, surprise New Jersey Devils with 112 points, uh, going up against the Metropolitan three seed, the New York Rangers, who you know made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year in last year's playoffs. Um, finished the season with 107 points. The Devils took took the regular season three to three to one, um, and you know this series is going to get kicked off tonight as well uh matt what's your what's your thoughts on this kind of a a battle of you know new york if you will or you know what not the battle of the bronx
0: subway series going on here but you know um the new jersey devils they won this regular season series three games to one Mm -hmm. and uh but the the rangers have really played a little bit better statistically this Mm -hmm. year than new jersey so those three games are kind of a an anomaly Mm -hmm. um i think uh the Rangers are a little better in goal yeah. and playoff time. That's, That's I, I'll, I'll keep harping on right. it. That's always key. key. You, yeah. you have a good goaltender and mm-hmm. you can make a run. Right. So you know I give I give the Rangers a slight edge here. Yeah. And uh, judge by the way, this game's already kicked off tonight. We're in the first period okay. and the Rangers are up two to nothing. Oh, wow. So
1: yeah. yeah, no way to get you know. Obviously, the New Jersey Devils got home you know home right. ice you know to start, but you know the
0: series doesn't doesn't really. Start until right, a, right. a home team loses. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Right. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting. For me, I think the key in this one, I think I like the Rangers a little bit more. And the reason why, I think I think New Jersey on paper has the better team. But this New Jersey team, all of their top guys have little to no playoff mm-hmm. experience. And I think that's a big key. Obviously, this New York Rangers team made a big run in in the playoffs last year to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's the difference maker for me. Is this this team's a little bit more experienced when it comes to playoff time? Because just like the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the difference between the regular season, it's a whole different elevation of of play. And I think that that playoff experience for for me is going to be the key. I think the Rangers get get uh, you know. Take, take the series uh, but I think it goes goes six six games in this in this one not 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 quite the distance but yeah. I think the the Devils will put up a put up a fight but ultimately I think the Rangers pull it out move on move sure. on to the next round all right well then moving over to the to the Western Conference I'm uh, talking more more hockey uh we got the best team over in the west in the Pacific division the number one seed the Vegas Golden Knights finished the season with 111 points going up against that number two wild card in the Winnipeg Jets uh, finished with 95 points. Golden Knights swept the regular season three to three to nothing. Um, So we'll see if, you know, playoff fortunes can, can change. If the the Jets can pull off some magic here, or, you know, if it's going to be a clean clean sweep by the Vegas golden Knights Uh, for me, this golden Knights team, they get contributions from everybody. And that's, I think a big key in this series is, they don't have to rely on just, you know, one or two guys. They can get contributions and, and significant contributions. This is a team that's got 20 players. 20 players on their roster with more than 10 points. Wow. Um, so that the points is, you know, goals and assists combined. They got 12 players with 10 or more goals. Bam. And then they have five goalies that have at least two wins. Jeez. So you talk about depth on this right. team. There's no better team I think right now in hockey that has more depth than this Golden Knights team definitely at, be able to
0: withstand an injury in right, the playoff time. Right. And that's huge. <clears throat>
1: so I think you know, for me, that's the key. This 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 Jets team, you just don't know what you're gonna get there. There were times during the season that this Jets team looked like they were the best team in hockey, mm-hmm. and then there were other times, man, it looked like I don't even know if this team's gonna make the playoffs. Right. Um, and so I think for me, just the inconsistency from the Jets. The 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 great consistency from the Golden Knights at, you know, multiple positions, multiple players, they think gonna be the difference in this one. I, I like the Golden Knights to get get a clean sweep in the
0: first round. Yeah, you, you know, if I look at this statistically, though, Winnipeg and Las Vegas are actually very close mm-hmm. in almost every statistical category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vegas did take the regular season series three games to zero against Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But, but with these two being so close in its playoff time, you know, yeah. I, I look for this to go more than, it's not going to be a sweep. Right. I look for it to go five or six. Okay, But, you know, I'm, I'm going Vegas here, and I think the biggest difference between these two teams mm-hmm. is... Uh, the penalties. Las mm. Vegas is one of the least penalized team mm. in hockey. They've yeah. spent the least time in the box. Yeah. And I, I think having less time to kill off penalties mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more time to score penalties yourself on the power play. But I, I, I like Las Vegas chances with, with those extra those extra bits of time and mm-hmm. ability there.
1: Yeah, no, and it's 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 funny you mentioned that because yeah, this this Vegas Golden Knights team, they're not very good at the penalty kill percentage. So it's good that they do stay <laughs> right. out of the penalty box because when they're not, they don't do very well. Um, they're they're about mid tier in the in the NHL this year when it comes to penalty kill percentage. So um, obviously, yeah, going to be a big key for them to keep you know keep their guys out of the
0: penalty box. You know, maybe that's a misleading stat. Then maybe they give up goals quickly, so right? It's right? Not considered right. penalty time any mm-hmm,
1: longer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then moving over to uh, the best team in the Central, the number one seed, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, looking to defend their Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Finished the regular season with 109 points getting a tough test here in the first round against a surprising second season. Seattle Kraken finished the season with a hundred points. Uh, they are the, you know, the number one seeded wildcard team. And actually the Kraken took the regular season two to one. So the avalanche better, you know, better be prepared. Obviously it's always tough to defend your, you know, defend your Stanley cup. And uh, yeah, they're, they're getting, you know, a Seattle Kraken team. That's that's hungry. You know, they, this is their first time obviously making the playoffs only been in existence for two seasons, but, you know, looking to make some noise here in their, in their second season. Matt, what what do you
0: think about this series? Well, you you nailed it there. Seattle did take the regular season two games to one. But, you know, Colorado, like you also said, is defending that Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to have the heart of a champion. They're one of the best teams in hockey again this year. So it's not like they're playing bad or, right, right. or yeah. they're going to – you know have a, a tough way to defend their championship mm-hmm. uh you know i'm looking at this again as a as a goaltending matchup and mm-hmm. you've got colorado they've given up 223 goals this season seattle's given up 252 almost 30 more goals on the season mm-hmm. so you know I, I think that gives colorado a slight edge yeah but i look for seattle to be that kind of pesky team mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know they're, they're getting their first taste of the playoffs right, so they're right. gonna steal a couple victories mm-hmm. here this thing probably goes six yeah colorado is gonna pulled away
1: yeah yeah we you know we mentioned you know injuries uh probably hasn't hit any team harder than the avalanche uh you know unfortunate for them um but it's all something they've only had four players that have played in every game this season i mean and you think about you know most teams have about you know a a third line third fourth line or whatever so you're talking you know probably 12 to 15 guys and out of those 15 guys you've only had four guys that have been played in all all the games this year. So talk about, you know, inconsistency and injuries, but again, I think that also speaks to how well this Colorado team is right. because I think most teams they would have that have that, you know, problem. They'd be like the Blue Jackets. Yeah. They'd be towards the bottom of the, you know, lot, you know, a lot you know a lot more L's towards the bottom of the of yeah. the league is Aval- Avalanche team, you know, one of the best teams in in hockey again. So I think obviously yeah, this this Avalanche team even with all the injuries, all the, you know, up and down play still going to be a you know a, a problem here in the in the playoffs. I do agree I think the Avalanche do advance, but I think the Kraken do steal a couple games here. I think I think it will go 6 games, but I like the Avalanche to to prevail. Yeah. All right, moving over to the last couple matchups um in the in the West. Um one that I'm really looking forward to here, and that's the the Pacific the number 2 seed Edmonton Oilers. Finished the season with 109 points, going up against the Pacific number three uh, seed, the Los Angeles Kings with 104 points. Um, Kings got it started last night, taking the series one nothing. Got it done in overtime by a score of four to three. Uh, these two teams tied two to two in the regular season. Man, my my mouth is salivating over this <laughs> one because this is the these two teams. You know, they like to the score. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. They matched up against each other in the playoffs last year. I believe it went all seven games last year. These two teams. It's going to be exciting hockey uh, between these two. Uh, you know, obviously the Kings stealing one at you know on on the road against the Oilers. Matt, what's, what's your what's your thoughts on this series? Mm.
0: You know, com, coming into this thing, I, I probably would have thought Edmonton running away with mm-hmm. it, but LA really proved something the mm-hmm, other night, mm-hmm. you know, being able to steal that that first game yeah. on away ice there, but, yeah. you know, Edmonton is probably one of the hottest teams in hockey here oh, yeah. down the stretch. They, they did win the last two games they played against LA mm-hmm. prior to the playoffs here, yeah. and you know, Edmonton's also the uh, highest scoring team in the NHL, scoring 325 goals in the season yep. compared to LA, who's not too shabby themselves, though, right. at 274 for the season. Mm-hmm. I think Edmonton, though, has just two offensive buyer power. Mm-hmm. I, LA did great to steal one last night. They'll probably steal maybe one more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this thing could potentially go all seven. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be an exciting series. I think Edmonton gets over that hump this year. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid finally proves, you know, he, he's that superstar in mm-hmm. the NHL and, Makes a and deep advances bang. around. Right. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I think for me, yeah, the Kings did a good job. They, they, you know, stole one last night, but a stat that really, again, the experience really sticks out to me. And I think experience when it comes to goaltending is where you really want that experience between the two goaltenders that the Kings use, one of them being a a, a former Blue Jacket and, and Jonas Corposalo mm-hmm. between the two of those two goalies that they have on their roster, only nine games of postseason experience. Granted, I believe all nine games come from Jonas <laughs> and The last time he was in the net in, in the goalie was when he you know they didn't win against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it was a competitive series where mm-hmm. they lost a handful of one score games. Uh, so he was he was phenomenal you know in that in that series. Uh, but I just think going up against a offensive juggernaut like the Edmonton Oilers, you do need to have somebody solid there in the goalie, you know especially when it comes playoff time. This this Oilers team, they had three guys that scored a hundred points this year. Uh, not too many teams can can, you know, and there's probably not any teams that can say that. Um, you know, so I, I just think, yeah, Kings did a good job. They stole one here, but I think. It does go seven games, but I think Edmonton gets the gets the win, um, and, and moves on to the next to the next round.
0: Uh, you're talking about Corpy. I, I don't think he was in the goal for that mm. series. I think Bob's was still on the jacket, mm. so he, he may have been on the roster and, mm-hmm. and accumulated playoff experience being mm-hmm. on the roster. I don't think he played any of those playoffs.
1: Okay, okay. Um, so then moving over to the last last series out west, uh, last series we're going to talk about here. And that's the uh, central number two seed, the Dallas Stars, finished the season with 108 points. Uh, taking on the three-seeded Minnesota Wild in the Central Division. who finished the season with 103 points. Wild got it started last night with taking a, taking game one, also winning in overtime by a score of 3-2. to two. These two guys, you know, two teams, went 2-2 two and two in the regular season. So another competitive series, tight series, you know, in the regular season.
0: And they we'll, actually uh, faced each other two times in the preseason, mm-hmm. and Minnesota took both of those games. So,
1: All right, yeah. So, you know, these two teams obviously seen a lot of each other here. In the regular season and in the po- the preseason, so Matt, what's your what's your thoughts on this on this series? You, you know, um, I know Dallas they they have a big injury. They they lost one of their guys uh, last night in that in that game. We'll see how that how that plays out for them the rest of the series. obviously, a, a, a big hit
0: to their to their playoff hopes. Well, before before that injury, I would have said Dallas on on the regular on the regular season has scored more. Mm-hmm. They give up less. Yeah. They're better on the power play. Yep. You take out Dallas every day. But I'm gonna to have to wait and see how they how they play mm-hmm. a full game with without one of their better players there in the roster. So, you know, I'm kind of leaving this to TBD to be decided because I think I think if Dallas plays like their stats show they can play, mm-hmm. I think they they win win this game win this series. I think it'll be close. It get, it'll go six or seven. But I think Dallas has the ability to win. But if they, if they come out flat after losing a key contributor and and they don't play well in game two you could almost look for Minnesota to sweep because it, it just, it seems like the life would have been taken out of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that
1: Dallas, the Dallas star player that, that did get injured last night, uh, Joe Pavleski, their, their center got, got knocked out of the, knocked out of the game, you know, scored 77 points this year. So pretty significant contributor for them. Um, so we, uh, you know, we'll see how, how it plays out. But yeah, I think it's going to be going to be a big hit for them. If, if he's not able to suit up and, you know, from, what I was reading or what I saw i mean, pretty gruesome hit he took in last night's game. I mean, I think perfectly legal, you know, no, no, you know, foul play or anything like that, but yeah, just unfortunate for, for this Dallas team, um, you know, and, and I, I think the wild are maybe a little bit more battle tested when it comes to that. Uh, Cause this past uh, this, the final kind of full season or kind of full month of the regular season, they lost their leading scorer. The wild did, but in that span, they went eight, three, and two. So, you know, I, I think again, not too many teams can say that, you know, we lost our best player, our you know, best player, our best scorer, and still had a winning record during that during that span. So I think for me, you know, if, if the wild can can keep it up, keep playing playing well, I think that they've just been tested without one of their key players already. I just don't know how Dallas is going to, going to respond right. if, if Pavleski not able to able to go. Um, I think, I think it could be a, a short series if, if he really isn't able to suit up for, for the stars. So um, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of exciting hockey still to be played here. Uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of rounds to go and we'll be, you know, tracking it throughout until we, you know, somebody's hosting or hoisting that uh, uh, Stanley cup at the, at the end of the season. So, Stick with us here. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, get get into a little bit of football and basketball after we get back. So stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. We're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Like I mentioned before the break, talk a little bit of football, a little NFL news. I'm going to continue on with our segment that we did kind of last week, uh, kind of previewing the, the the draft here as it's coming up here in a couple of weeks. We went through picks one through three last week and kind of gave our thoughts and who we thought the teams would be taking. Um, so we're going to move on to picks four through six now. Um, we'll get things kicked off with pick number four with the Indianapolis Colts a uh, team that went 4 12 and 1 last year um, and you know for me I got you know some of their needs QB wide receiver an offensive tackle safety and and some uh, a corner a cornerback as well uh matt what's your what's your thoughts on on this who do you who do you think the colts are taking with this number
0: four pick yeah you know looking at this the colts biggest need is clearly quarterback mm-hmm. they've been struggling with that they've been trying to play the mm-hmm. you know find the the starter who is kind of past his prime mm-hmm. and, and sign that guy in free agency game for the last three or four years mm-hmm. and it just it hasn't worked yep. so you know having this high draft pick it's time they go out and they find their quarterback of the future mm-hmm. um if you look at my big board, mm-hmm. I would say the, the best available here would be Alabama's Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. So that that's who I'm going with. I think realistically, the the more and more I'm hearing from the prognosticators and and, and everything in the draft, yeah. it's looking like Bryce Young is going to go number one overall, and right. a lot of people think C.J. Stroud is going to go soon thereafter. Right. So I think to me, the the best quarterback that'll probably be left on 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 the real board at this mm-hmm. point in time mm-hmm. will be the oh, Will Levis, and I, mm-hmm. I, I look for him to go here at Indianapolis Colts. Park. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I gotta gotta agree with you. I think, um, you know, it, it's interesting because I was reading something where the Colts have actually held private meetings, workouts with four different quarterbacks, uh, which also includes, you know, a couple of quarterbacks that you know, we may be not talking about as being up there towards the top. Uh, that includes uh, University of Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, and also reached out to uh, Purdue's Aiden O'Connell as well, um, just because you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, it's potential that the first four picks could all be QBs because as we mentioned in our segment last week, the Cardinals are itching to possibly trade that number three pick right. to a team that's looking to get a quarterback or move up to pick a quarterback. Um, you know, so maybe Will Levis isn't there at number four. Right. But for me, if if he is, if if everything shakes out, you know, no no trades or anything like that, I think yeah, Will Levis is the guy that they picked there for for, for in Indianapolis. Uh, a six foot three, two hundred and thirty two pound quarterback guy that threw for over 5,200 yards and, and 43 passing touchdowns in just two years at Kentucky. Also spent some time at Penn state as well. Um, you know, I just, yeah, this guy, big, big guy, proto, I think a more of a prototypical quarterback. Um, we'll see, we'll see how he, how he plays out, you know, obviously for the Colts to, you know, get a guy or you know pick somebody that high they're hoping that they finally do get that that piece that's been missing for them
0: yeah and penn state fans have got to be hating to see the the success he had at kentucky mm-hmm. especially when when they had a quarterback who wasn't bad mm-hmm. but he wasn't a number four draft pick mm-hmm. type quarterback right right and i have to kind of wonder what, had what they could have been levis back then right yeah what, what could have been for penn state could mm-hmm. they have been a national championship contender
1: right yeah absolutely um well then moving over to the the fifth pick um seattle seahawks picking with the number five pick thanks to the denver broncos who uh you know traded them that pick when the russell wilson trade happened um
0: looking great for yeah yeah and they
1: had no idea that it was going to be this high of a pick i mean seahawks made the playoffs last year went nine and eight so you know great for them you know to get the get the pick you know towards the top here on a team that's pretty well set or you know has has a lot of good pieces on on both sides of the ball just you know, needs to maybe one or two pieces here and there to, to really be a contender. For me, I only got a couple a couple of needs for this team. I got a, a center, you know, an offensive lineman, and and an edge rusher. And because of the need at the edge rusher, um, you know, it was a guy that that Matt mentioned, you know, coming off the board for him. Um, I got the the guy out of Texas Tech and Tyree Wilson, you know, coming off the board here. Uh, six foot six, two hundred seventy one pound, kind of defensive end linebacker hybrid. Um, you know, for me, I think it just makes it makes sense. This is a Seattle team that they're two kind of edge rushers um, in Uchenna Inwasu and Daryl Taylor are both going to be free agents after after next year. So no better way to pick up, you know, a new young guy to, you know, slowly start to work him into the, you know, into the lineup, get him some experience. Uh, and, and you know drafting a guy that's got a got a high motor out of out of Texas Tech in, in Tyree Wilson
0: Matt what what do you think Yeah you know I, I looked at Seattle and saw some of their biggest needs to be linebacker defensive tackle and running back uh, with. With defensive tackle being one of their big needs, I look for them to go for a Jalen Carter out mm-hmm. of Georgia. He, he he was talked about as really the consensus number one overall pick in this draft right, for a right. long time, yeah. and then some off the field stuff kind of dropped him down the board. Right, right. So he he could be a real steal here at number mm-hmm. five, and mm-hmm. could could really help the defensive side of that football there in Seattle. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We'll see. Obviously, uh, you know, he only met with the teams in the top ten. He's still mm-hmm. betting on himself that even with all these you know off the field issues, he still believes he's still a top ten pick, even with all that, you know, happening off the field. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it plays out on 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 draft night. But uh yeah, an interesting, interesting pick, you know, good guy, guy that obviously comes from great pedigree there with, with in Georgia, you know, their defense always pretty solid every year. So well, then moving over to the sixth pick, and you know, who we're gonna talk about last before uh before we move on to the next the next part here. Um number six pick, another team surprised last year, the Detroit Lions. Thank you. LA Rams, you know, by that, uh, trade for Matthew Stafford, you know, Jared Goff, they're, they're picking up here towards the, towards the, be, you know, the beginning after picking, you know, number one or number two last year. Um, it's
0: crazy. These two teams really show, it, it kind of pays to, mm-hmm. to trade your franchise quarterback. Right, you
1: know? right. Yeah. Uh, they had, you know, a nine and eight record similar to the Seahawks last year, just, just missed out on the, on the playoffs. Um, for me, you know, um, I got their, their needs, um, a linebacker, wide receiver, um, offensive guard, tight end, and, and cornerback. And for me, I think they addressed that cornerback position at the number six pick, and they go with uh, the guy out of Illinois, Devin Willerspoon, uh, cornerback there, five um, eleven, 181 pounds. Um, this was a Detroit team that gave up 25.1 points per game, which was the fifth most in the NFL last year, and they were the third worst third worst passing defense last year as well. I think they need some some help. Obviously traded away Jeff Okuda in the in the off season, looking to, you know, get get kind of a solid guy back, get, you know, a, a lockdown corner. I think this guy, you know, Devin Witherspoon's the, the best corner in the in the draft. I think uh he's gonna be solid for him. I like the Lions to go, you know, go defense again just like they did last year, uh pick up another guy to to really solidify that defense.
0: Matt, what you what you think? Yeah, you know, the, so the Lions have this pick and they also have pick number eighteen. Mm-hmm. I look for the Lions to do a double dip at defense here. Okay. I think with the with the number six pick here, they go with Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia. Okay. But, you know, another one of the top top players in the draft mm-hmm. off of that great Defensive team in Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go wrong with one of those guys. <laughs> right, right, they're, they're going to be great. You know, in the NFL, they all seem to turn out well. Mm-hmm. And then I think at eighteen, I, th- I think they they also stick with a cornerback out of the Big Ten. Okay, I, I think the the guy from Illinois will be gone by then. But I think they go Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback mm-hmm. mm-hmm. out of Penn State, to, yeah. to fill that's that need. Cornerback, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for you know our kind of NFL draft talk. We'll we'll, we'll wrap it up next week. Uh, you know kind of the week before the draft with uh, picks seven through 10. Um, And then, yeah, we're, we're, you know, itching closer to hearing, you know, who, who's going to be the next stars in the NFL or who's going to have their name announced, you know, on that uh, fabulous first day of the, of the NFL draft. And, you know, even even the guy picked the very last. You got to have some hope because True. you know Brock Purdy was the guy that got picked last in last year's draft. And it's all about look the situation, yeah, look how it all played out for him. So you know, even the guys that are you know the very last pick of the very last day, you know, don't hang your head because you know you just never know what what can happen. So all right, well, moving over to the NBA, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit of awards um, before we get into kind of continuing on with our playoff talk. Um, like I said, regular season award winners, not really winners, but the finalists have kind of been um, announced. Some winners have already been, you know, one winner has already been picked for for a particular award, but we'll just kind of run through these real quick and kind of just give our thoughts on who we think are going to be taking home, you know, taking home some hardware here. Um, we'll start with uh, the award that, you know, the very first time they're actually giving out this award and that's the most clutch player award. Um, like I said, very first time that they're, they're giving this award out. Um, the three finalists are Jimmy Butler from the Miami Heat, DeMar DeRozan from the Chicago Bulls, and then De'Aaron Fox, the point guard from, from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Matt, what's your thoughts on this? Who do you think's taking home the, cl- the most clutch player award?
0: Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised to see this being an award this year because yeah. you have the defensive player of the year, yeah. but you don't have an offensive player of the year. I know right, you got right. MVP, which mm-hmm. – Typically goes to the offensive guy, but Mm -hmm. there's there's no true offensive player of the year. So I thought that was a little strange. Right, But, you know, this is a pretty cool lineup for the the most clutch player. But I I think it's got to go to De'Aaron Fox Mm -hmm. simply because this guy's got to win something this Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's averaged 25 points per game, 6.1 assists per game, 4.2 rebounds per game. He's led Sacramento to their best season in God knows how long. Right, right. Number three seed there in the West, and Mm -hmm. and they're looking great already in the playoffs, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Mm -hmm. So this guy's got to win something right? I I think it it lands right here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I got to agree. I think this is a landslide victory for him. Um, You know, just looking at the stats of what the NBA deems as clutch. Mm -hmm. So the definition by the NBA's standards uh, for clutch is when the game is in the fourth quarter or in overtime with less than five minutes left to go and you know if you're looking at kind of looking at shots in the clutch the shot has to be either when the team is you know when the guy that took the shot either the game is to tie it or to take the or take the lead that's what they consider a clutch shot and if you look at the stats there's nobody better in the business than De'Aaron fox in those categories Um, so i think you look at the last five minutes of the game this guy shoots 61 percent from the floor wow. that's that's everywhere on the floor yeah. 3.2 point wherever uh this guy is is what i would consider the definition of of clutch mm-hmm. i think he takes home the hardware by a, by a landslide in this one all right well moving over to the award that actually technically has already been announced um and that's the defensive player of the year mm-hmm. um jaron jackson jr the power forward out of the memphis grizzlies you know say what you want that's who i had picked anyways to win it um takes it you know over top of uh milwaukee bucks brooke lopez and uh evan mobley the the forward out of the out of the cleveland cavaliers uh, you, you know, know when did this
0: award transition to the big man award it, right it used right. to be the guards getting mm-hmm. the steals mm-hmm. and and you know playing that side of the right. basketball defense mm-hmm. and now it's all about the blocks. right you know, right it was yeah guy with three blocks per game that and ends up winning this thing. The, the,
1: the, I think the qualifiers got to be minimum of 6'10", I think, to, to right. qualify for this yeah. award, uh, to, to even be yeah, in the running at this point. But, yeah, it's a good good thing you mentioned that because, yeah, it, it, it does seem like over the years it's just been, you know, whoever's big man, you know, has the best season. That's right. who gets the award or gets at least a finalist, you know, in there. So, um, yeah, obviously – Jaron Jackson, I think, out of the group was was, you know, from a stats perspective, had had kind of the best stats out of out of all the three guys. Um, becomes the second youngest guy to ever win the defensive player, only behind Dwight Howard, who was only a handful of months younger than Jaron Jackson. So, you know, hats off hats off to him. Obviously, this Grizzlies team uh, played played great in the in the uh, in the regular season, had had a great defensive team. And obviously Jaron Jackson in in the paint, you know, an anchor anchor for that for that team. So um, then moving over to an award that's uh, given out to kind of the sideline, the guy that does the best on the sideline, Coach of the Year. Three finalists for that: Mike Brown, the head coach from the Sacramento Kings; uh, Mark Deganault from the Oklahoma City Thunder; and then Joe Mazzulla from the Boston Celtics. Again, I think somewhat of a no brainer here, mm-hmm. uh, Kings. Phenomenal season this year. Yes. I don't see how, any way, shape, or form, this is not going to Mike Brown in his first year as the Kings' head coach. Uh, yeah, I see. I see this one as a landslide,
0: Matt. It, anything you know? I, I think it's a it's a little closer than a landslide between Brown and uh, Degenkolb. Mm-hmm. You know, Degenkolb did take Oklahoma City to to a, a play in birth, right, right. And, and that's a team that's kind of been struggling here the last few mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. after they traded all their star power away there. Right, you know, a few a few years back. So, you know, I think it was a little closer, but with Sacramento being a top three seed, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that really sealed it. Right. I think Missoula doesn't get much credit because he Inherited took over a team, team that went to the finals last year. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you, you know, it, it's it's not hard to, to coach. Mm hmm. superstars like that right so you you know i i think he loses a little credit for that Mm -hmm. he did a phenomenal job with boston though you you gotta give him a ton of credit but this is definitely mike brown's award
1: yeah i think i think what you can say for missoula is yeah he did inherit obviously a great team phenomenal team Um, but this is obviously his first year as a head coach been an Mm -hmm. assistant coach with the celtics team or been on that staff for you know a handful of years but first head coaching experience So i think he may get a little bit of votes you know in that in that respect but again yeah i think going to be tough to give it to a guy that, that inherited a team that made it to the NBA finals and made a run, you know, last year. Uh, but yeah, ultimately I think, uh, Mike Brown takes, takes it home here. Yes, sir. Um, then moving over to, um, most improved player, um, right now the finalists, you know, the finalists for that, we got Jalen Brunson, the, the guard out of the New York, from the New York Knicks, um, an Oklahoma city thunder guy that we talk about a lot and shy Gilgis Alexander, and then, finally, rounding it out is uh, Lori Markinon from from the Utah Jazz. What's what's your thoughts on this, Matt? I think it may be a little bit tighter race in this one, but uh, I got I got my thoughts. What what do you think?
0: You know, it, I, I actually thought this was a a little odd of an award as well, mm-hmm. being most improved, because neither of the three were that bad last year. Right, right. I mean, they all put up nice stats uh, a year ago. Uh-huh. Jalen Brunson really kind of showed out in New York this year, and mm-hmm. kind of proved to uh dallas right. what, what they're missing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. He, he's kind of that key part that they're thinking yeah, man we, we probably kept. shouldn't have let go right, right. so you, you, but but he looked good last year mm-hmm. i mean he played played really well so right. most improved I, I i struggle with that right. because he did he did he played really well last year mm-hmm. uh shy gilgus alexander in oklahoma city he he kind of was becoming a star last right. year in his kind own of the leader
1: of the team last year yeah in, Maybe he took the next
0: step. But... I, I think he did absolutely take the next step this year into actually a, an MVP contender, mm-hmm. averaging 31.4 points per game, okay. 5.5 assists, and 4.8 rebounds. Yep. So you know he, he actually fits into that MVP category. So maybe he did take a, a, a bigger jump. Mm-hmm. And then you got Laurie Markkinen for Utah, who's yeah. he's always been a, a pretty decent player in mm-hmm. the NBA. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I still don't think he went super level in Utah. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he played really well. I just I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it fits most improved. So, out of these three, I'm giving it to Shy Gilgis Alexander. I mm-hmm. think Jalen Brunson's close behind, but yeah. but I think this is Shy's award. All right, well, I got a I got
1: a dark horse maybe then in this. I I like Lori Markkinen to take yeah. it. I think, uh, you know, last year averaged about 15 points a game, and and this year uh, got his average up to almost 26 points a game. So pretty big jump in the in the scoring margin. Um, this was a Jazz team, obviously uh, finished just outside of the play in tournament. But this was a team that lost, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, both to free mm-hmm. agency last year was not expecting them to be anywhere close to what they, what they were. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with Laurie Markkinen's play. Um, he was named an all-star as well in his, in the first, for the first time in his career during this season. Uh, I think, you know, I think Laurie has a, has an argument, but I think this one could, could go, you know, I think shy, you know, shy and Laurie, it's going to be, going to be somewhat close, I mm-hmm. think. But, uh, Probably all these guys somewhat rightfully, rightfully deserve, but uh I like I like the big man out of Utah to to take home the hardware here. So mm-hmm. uh moving over then to the newbies, um, rookie of the year. Um Paolo Bancaro, the power forward out of the Orlando Magic, uh Walker Kessler, another guy with the Utah Jazz, and then finally Jalen Williams, uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I think one probably that's not a very close race. I, I like I like Paolo out of mm. out of the Orlando Magic to take this one. Um, Paolo averaged uh, twenty points a game, just shy of seven rebounds a game. Uh, was a big contributor to a to a Magic team that only won twenty two games last year and and won um, you know improved that mark by twelve. They 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 won thirty four games and were competitive up until the last you know few days of the of the regular season. Had you know still had a chance to make the play in. Um, so definitely. A big improvement obviously you know the number one pick in, in last year's draft um you know and, and and really lived up to his potential I right. think
0: yeah I agree 100 percent. this is this Palo Banchero's award mm-hmm. and I, I guess it kind of speaks volumes because the, the three guys that were up for this award were either outside looking in right. for the playoffs or right play, playing in that play-in mm-hmm, spot mm-hmm. you know so did they really that much for their team mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a double-edged sword because if you're a great rookie coming in. Right. You're gonna go to a bad team. Right, that's exactly. just kind of how it works. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be interesting to see what these guys do for years to come. But they, they all had pretty nice years. But it's definitely Banchero really mm-hmm. stood out amongst the three of them. Yep. Um. Then moving over to the award given to
1: the guy that best man off the off the bench, uh, the sixth man of the year award. Um. We got Malcolm Brogdon, the point guard from the Boston Celtics. Bobby Portis Jr., the forward out of the Milwaukee Bucks. And then finally, Emmanuel Quickly, the shooting guard from the New York
0: Knicks. Uh, Matt, what's your thoughts on this one? Who, who do you think taking home the hardware? Yeah, I got this thing coming down to Brogdon and Quickly. These yeah. two are really, really similar on the mm-hmm. stats. so I, I'm giving a slight edge to Brogdon, though. Mm-hmm. He averaged 14.7 points per game, game, 4.2 rebounds per game, 3.7 assists per game. Yeah. And he, he helped uh, you know lead the Celtics to the second-best record in mm-hmm. the NBA. Mm-hmm. I, I think just the records of the two teams – Alone make that slight difference because these these two te- these two guys were almost identical stat wise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I just think the, the team success right gets gets brogged in over the edge here.
1: Yeah, well I gotta disagree. I yeah. think uh, I like I like quickly to get this one, but yeah, I think it's probably one A one B. You know they 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 could they could go to either one of them, and I don't think anybody would be disappointed. Um, you know this is obviously a Knicks team that's had you know some success this year. Uh, they won 47 games in the regular season, which is the most that they've won since 2012, 2013. Um, I think something that, that sticks out to me is that Quickly actually got the chance to start in, in several games. And, and, and in 21 starts, he averaged almost 23 points a game, five rebounds a game, and averaged five assists a game. So I think this guy is good enough probably to be a starter somewhere else. You know, just unfortunately – pretty guard heavy with the, with the New York Knicks. So just not able to get, you know, many of those opportunities, but I just think, yeah, the, the, the start stats is maybe something that, that separates him from, from Brogdon in that, in that sense is that this guy is, is a great player. And if he got maybe those starter minutes, we probably wouldn't be talking about him as the sixth man of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, we may be talking about, you know, maybe most improved player or, you know, whatever, one of these other, you know, awards. Um, but, I just think, yeah, that 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 kind of sticks out to me. I think uh, you know quickly quickly gets it done, but I can I can, you know, probably make a case for Brogdon as, yeah. as well in this one. Well then the final award, uh, probably the one that's I don't know, probably a toss up between all three of the guys and, and that's the, the MVP award. Um, three guys that have been kind of the staple in the MVP race the last several years. Obviously the the winner of the last two in, in Nikola Jokic, the center out of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Giannis, Anthony D'Acunzo, the power forward out of the Milwaukee Bucks, and then finally rounding out Joel Embiid, the center out of out of Philly. Uh, Matt, who do you think is your MVP here? Obviously, three big men. You know, again, somewhat uncommon in today's NBA, but you know these guys have been been in that race here the last several years. Obviously, Jokic taking it taking it the last couple of years, but I, I honestly think you can make a case for just any three of these yeah. guys
0: and he got a legitimate shot. You know, uh, of the three, though, I, I think Jokic is actually a little too highly rated here in this mm, race. Mm, mm. I, I, I mean, I know he puts up good stats across the board, mm-hmm. but he's not even top 20 in the NBA in points per game. Mm, okay. you know, so you got these two guys, Giannis and Joel, who are – near the top one and two in the NBA and, and points scored per game, really helping their team out. Cause let's be honest, the NBA this day and age isn't about defense. It's right. about scoring, scoring. putting and, and, stats in the, and that's stat what, that's book. What these guys do. And then that's why I got to go with Joel. And huh? he, yeah. led the NBA with 33.1 points per game, 4.2 assists, 10.2 rebounds per game. Yep. You know, without Joel Embiid, I'm not sure where Philadelphia would be this Mm -hmm, year. mm -hmm. He's, I think, he finally gets himself over that hump. I think he finally gets that that uh, MVP award. Right.
1: Yeah. Like you mentioned, first, first, if if he is if he is announced, you know, the winner, it would be his first MVP. Like I said, has been in the conversation the last several years, but just has not gotten enough votes to 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 take it home. But for me, you know, a a, a, you know stat that sticks out, I think, uh, you know, talk about points. There was a span, and I think this is what pushes him over, over over, the top over these guys, late season in March, about 10 games between March 2nd and March 20th, where this guy averaged 36 points a game, mm-hmm. shot over 60% from the floor, um, and then added another phenomenal game in April against a great Celtics team, scored 52 points, mm-hmm. and grabbed 13 rebounds. So for me this late in the season to still have that much you know energy that much you know still left in the tank I think is what really puts him over the top with some of these other guys that probably just played more consistent throughout the year but Embiid really made that late season push maybe you know change some of those on the fence voters Mm -hmm. really really you know uh upped his chances I think I think Embiid gets it done here and gets gets his uh you know his illustrious MVP award that's kind of um, you know, suited him, you know, the last couple of years, but just, again, hasn't had the ability to get enough votes to, uh you know, to take it home. So, all right. Well, last segment of the, of the night, going to continue on with our, with our playoff talk here. Um, Just real quickly, obviously, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, you know, teams, the, the series have at least played one game, some two games. So, and some, you know, some of the game two is going on behind us here on the TV. Uh, tonight. Uh, so we'll start start over in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, obviously number one seed in the East, uh, taking on the Miami Heat, who you know knocked off the Bulls to get that final spot mm-hmm. in the East. Um, but maybe a little bit of a shocker here in the first one. The Heat take game one uh, by a score of 130 to 117. I mean, these two teams did tie two to two in the regular season. And like we mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the show, Injuries was the buzzword going around. Yes, and, and and the Bucks have to be oddly, you know, very, very nervous. Uh, you know, their their star player and Giannis went out with a you know kind of a back injury there in the in the first quarter, didn't come back, and you know, the Bucks were never the same after he after he left in that game. Um, you know, and I just think it, it, it I, I I believe the X rays came back negative. There's no real serious damage. But, it's but a again, a back yeah, slinger, right? That's... Yeah. It's going to, you know, especially with the big man with like Giannis yeah. that's carrying around so much weight and everything like that. Um, I, I just think if he's not able to, if he's not able to go at all book at the heat or winning this series, I just don't think that the bucks are going to have enough mm-hmm. to, you know, especially now being down a game here, they, they just looked out of sorts with Giannis out of the lineup here. I know the bucks do have some star players, Still got Drew Holiday, still got Chris Middleton on that team.
0: And that's what I was gonna say. I, I'll be interested to see what they do in game two. Mm-hmm. If if they know in advance Giannis isn't gonna play, mm-hmm. how they adjust mm-hmm. with, with playing without him. Mm-hmm. Because they, they do. They have two legit stars mm-hmm. on that team and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Right. If those two if they can play through those two and mm-hmm. I think they're gonna have to play a completely different style of basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but if they can make those adjustments, I, I think they still have a really good chance. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they number one t- overall team in the NBA for right. a reason. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Miami barely makes it in. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's still a, a talent gap between these two teams, mm-hmm. even if Giannis doesn't play. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think Milwaukee can make it a series even without Giannis, but. Yeah. You know, like Miami's tough. chances a whole right. lot more mm-hmm. without Giannis in this thing. Right, well. right,
1: absolutely. Um, just because, I mean, obviously there's not too many teams or too many guys that can match up with Giannis anyways, but right. the Heat really don't have a, a guy that can really match up with Giannis mm-hmm. anyways. With him out of the lineup, I think it just makes their defense a little bit easier to 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 guard the Bucks. I mean, this Heat team is one of the better defending teams in the league. They don't score a ton of points. I mean, they scored 130 in game one, which is – somewhat out of the norm for them. I mean, they like to keep it a, a lower scoring affair. Um, I just, yeah, I I think if, if Giannis is able to come back or, you know, is able to be even a shadow of himself, I think they still like the Bucks' chances in this one. But if he's not able to go at all, I just, yeah, this Heat team, I think the way that they do play, you know, well in the defensive end, I think the Bucks could be could be in trouble. Um, Then moving over to the the number two seed, Boston Celtics taking on the Atlanta Hawks Celtics win game one by a score of 112 to 99. They lead the series now 1-0. And I think the score probably in this one is a lot closer than what it, what it was. Uh, At at one point, this Celtics team was up by almost 40 points Um, and, and kind of let the Hawks somewhat claw their way back into it and, it got yeah, like a little Ron bit Chris interesting, yeah, a little bit game. interesting at, at, at points, but I think again the Celtics never really felt like they were not not in control of this game. Uh, I, I you know talked about it when we talked when we kind of previewed the series. I don't think the Hawks really had much of a chance. Boston just too good, too many guys you have to defend right I, I just don't like the hawks chances i think a clean clean sweep from them um i think that the, they're playing right now actually the celtics and the hawks are playing right now um in, in game yeah. two Atlanta's
0: down about 15 at this point it, <laughs> yeah it's not looking like another good night right. for atlanta um
1: so i like the celtics chances to win to win this series a clean sweep matt any any thoughts on that one or... yeah, yeah
0: after watching that that first game of the, of the series it's it's boston mm-hmm. easy there's just too big of a talent gap. Mm, mm. Atlanta doesn't have much beyond Trey Young mm. to really compete in this kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, kudos to them for getting here to, right, to be right. able to play in this series, mm-hmm. but they're not going any further. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then another another series in the east that's uh, you know, looking like a like a sweep possibly and that's the Philadelphia 76ers with likely MVP Joel Embiid uh up 2 nothing against the the Brooklyn Nets uh both games 76ers have won uh game one and game two on on home court now the series switches back you know switches over to brooklyn game three on on saturday um or actually on thursday um matt you like the nets chances here in this one or you know think that they might be able to steal at least one in this series or you think a clean sweep for for for, for the seventy
0: six? Nah, I, I said kind of coming into this thing. I think it's probably going to be a clean sweep. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 record for for Brooklyn speaks to two guys that aren't even on that roster mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. did a lot of the heavy lifting to get them there. Right, with Durant and Kyrie Irving right. both out of town now. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a completely different team. It's a lot of young guys very little playoff experience okay. they're still learning how to play together yeah this isn't the time or the atmosphere to, to be doing that mm-hmm. I, I think i think uh billy runs away with this thing mm.
1: 4-0. yeah i gotta gotta agree with that i mean it, it seems like game one somewhat of a higher scoring affair the 76ers still won the game game two was a very low scoring game and the nets only scored 84 points um and and the 76ers only scored 96 so in an nba game that's Pretty, pretty low scoring, but, yeah, two different contrasting styles of game, and the 76ers were, were able to come out on top in both of them. Uh, I mean, I just, yeah, I don't like the Nets' chances here. They don't really have an answer for, for Joel Embiid, and, and he's he's playing great basketball, so I like the 76ers to move on in this one. Um, and then, you know, a series that's somewhat, you know, going to be interesting, I think, and and, and close to home here with, with our Cleveland, you know, hometown Cleveland Cavaliers the number four seed over in the East taking on the number five Knicks. And we got the, the game two going on yeah. right now behind us here uh, in the, in the studio, but the Knicks took game one by a score of one Oh one to 97, a game that oh, I mean, was phenomenal. I mean, probably the best game, you know, of the, of the playoffs or, you know, up there towards the top, Um, you know, in, in a back and forth battle that the, 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 Knicks somewhat were in control the whole game, but the Cavs just kept, kept clawing. They never mm. really gave up, kept, Kept pushing in that one, but you know, ultimately down the stretch, the Knicks able to hit a, hit a couple of clutch shots. You know, down the down the stretch, uh, Jalen Brunson was phenomenal in that game one. Donovan Mitchell was phenomenal in game one for for the Cavaliers, scoring 38 points. Just didn't get anybody else that that really stepped up to help him out there. Um, and, and Julius Randle, you know, suited up in game one, looked looked pretty pretty good for you know coming off a almost like a two week uh, layoff or whatever. He looked looked pretty good early on for the for the Knicks. He's going to have the legs for a whole series, mm-hmm. though, is right. going the question. Right, right. But
0: tonight he's not looking all that spectacular. Right, right. And you, you got Cleveland up uh, about 12 points here, getting nice. close to heading into half. So yeah, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland's uh, doing a real good job trying to tie this thing at one game apiece. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to credit New York. They stole one on the road, right. and, and that's that's the that's biggest, biggest key to playoff success. Mm-hmm. You can steal one or two on the road, and it becomes a whole lot easier to win a series. Mm-hmm. I think this thing probably goes six or seven. Yep. These two teams are so close on paper mm-hmm. against each other. Yeah. And there are four or five for a reason. Mm-hmm. This thing's going to be one heck of a contest. Yeah. Yeah. I look for this thing to go close to the distance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, then moving over to the to the Western Conference, i uh, got the number one seed, Denver Nuggets. Uh, Getting their getting their series kicked off against the number eight seed Minnesota Timberwolves, who snuck into the snuck into the playoffs as that last seed in the West, uh, knocked off the Oklahoma City Thunder in the uh, the final play in game. Man, the Nuggets looked good in game one. Uh, This was this was a team that actually tied two to two in the regular season with the Timberwolves, but no doubt they won this one. Beat the beat the Timberwolves by almost thirty points in this game, Uh, so they got the series lead one to nothing. Uh, got a little got a little chippy in that in that game 1 um but i think that might have been maybe the spark that the denver nuggets needed um because there were comments made by their coach you know throughout kind of the last you know maybe quarter of the season that he thought this nuggets team was playing kind of soft wasn't playing you know like they like they had to start the season out maybe this is exactly what they needed kind of a wake up call this this little you know chippiness action um in in this series but they responded and responded well. The, the Nuggets got a dominant win in, in Game One. Uh, game Two gonna gonna happen tomorrow. We'll see if the, the Timberwolves can can right the ship. But this Denver team looks looks locked in to 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 get at least a first
0: round you know a first round victory. Matt, any, any thoughts on that series? Yeah, I just I Minnesota brought in some talent in the offseason, and, and you thought they had a, a shot to be a contender this right, year, but right. it's, it's it's a team that's never really gelled. They mm-hmm, haven't figured yeah. out how to play together and. Right. They did enough to to, to get in uh, and make the playoffs, but they're they're still just not looking like they're playing great team basketball. Inconsistent, yeah, yeah. And then you got a team like like Denver, who's just hitting on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Had Jamal Murray go for twenty four points. Get mm-hmm. uh, the potential MVP. He went for thirteen points and had, had mm-hmm. a just a, a consistent game. And right. I, I think that's why he's been an MVP contender because mm-hmm. he's so darn consistent. Mm-hmm. He gives it gives you almost the same thing every night. He's The double-double, triple-double machine. Right, in almost every facet of the game. He's contributing on the rebounds, the assists,
1: scoring. I mean, he does a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. for that Denver Nuggets team. I think that's, you know, obviously, yeah, kind of a a go-go gadget kind of guy where he just, yeah, can do a lot of different things as a Mm seven-footer and, you know, nonetheless. So, yeah, this this Nuggets team looks locked in. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a sweep in this thing. All right. Well then uh, moving over where things I think get a little bit more interesting here in the Western Conference the number 2 seed Memphis Grizzlies taking on that number 7 seed Los Angeles Lakers and the Lakers taking game 1 uh in Memphis by a score of 128 to 112 again injuries you know for for you know this team John Morant breaks his you know injures his hand in game 1 goes out in that one and that's when the Lakers go on a go on a run right after he you know and, and, but even in that game, you thought the Lakers were sunk because at one point Anthony Davis was holding his arm <laughs> and he literally mouthed at one point, "I can't, I can't lift my arm." And he thought,
0: "Here we go again. Yep, the yeah. Lakers
1: are sunk." That and that was right before halftime, and he, right. and I think the Lakers were down, I don't know, maybe six or seven at that point. So they weren't totally out of it. But then you know, yeah, that happens. You go to the locker room and it's like, "Yep, yep, here we go, Lakers. You know, they're they're done." He comes out of the locker room and plays, he like an plays, plays a phenomenal second half. And but unfortunately for the Grizzlies, they lose their superstar in John Morant. And from what I'm hearing is, you know, probably not going to be able to play in Game Two mm-hmm. tomorrow, a crucial Game Two for this Memphis team that you know obviously loses one already on on home court. You don't want to go back to LA down two nothing,
0: and you don't want those veterans to, right. to have the chum in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, just a shark waiting to waiting to attack with, right. with the blood in the water. There, yeah. you go down two games to none, and, and this right. thing's going to be over in five.
1: Right? Yeah, a, a, a team, a Grizzlies team that's already dealing with a handful of injuries, with Steven Adams being out for the entire playoffs. They lost Brandon Clark, another big man, to a torn ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. So already down, you know, some significant contributors, and then you lose, you know, arguably your best player again. Uh um, it's going to be a lot to overcome for this Grizzlies team, but but the Lakers
0: are an injury away from being a poor poor team again. So, yeah, it, yeah. something happens to AD or something happens to LeBron, right? And, right? You know, this it, it may be the, back. The to, tide turns you know, again. We're, we're, yeah,
1: we're back to even again right. or whatever. So, but yeah, we'll see what the Lakers can do. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, crucial game too for for the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night. So, all right, well, the uh, Sacramento Kings, like we talked about, surprise team at the number three seed taking on the golden state warriors. They're up two nothing in this mm-hmm. series. And I'll include myself. I did not see this <laughs> happening. I didn't, I, I wrote the Same. Kings off, you know, I, I didn't say the warriors. I didn't say this series was going seven games, but I thought the warriors were, we going to, going to get it done. I think a lot of people, a lot of experts wrote the Kings off, said, no way they got no chance. Here we are two games into it. And, and they've looked like the better team mm-hmm. in, in this, in this series um but we haven't switched home court yet right we're going back you know obviously going back to golden state where they are phenomenal at at home um but yeah it'll be interesting to see obviously game two things got a little bit chippy in that one uh draymond doing what draymond does you know stomping on another person you know another player's chest uh you know trying to get himself you know somewhat motivated to go and Get you know a little bit of uh, extra motivation, I guess.
0: Um, oh, they're talking the NBA may suspend him for some playoff games right, here after right. that incident. Yeah. So if that happens, I'm not liking Golden State's chances mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the big story in this playoff so far for for the Sacramento Kings has been uh, Fox's play. Mm. There is not a player on Golden State that can pick Guarding. him up off the dribble. No. He, they just cannot he's guard like, him. He's like a bottled piece of lightning. Yeah, he's, he just nobody can stay in front right. of him. I think really the Warriors would be better off playing a defensive stopper and, mm-hmm. and you know, putting somebody in that may not score, but mm-hmm. find their best defensive player and put mm-hmm. them on them yeah. and, and do what you can to slow him down. Right, right. And that, yeah. I think that's going to give them their best chance. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that they need to score 100 points. Mm-hmm. They need to slow him down. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, this, this you know, Golden State, they don't
1: they don't want to get in an up and down contest with this mm-hmm. Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings, they can score the ball. That's right. not the problem. The problem is on the other half; they, they are not a very good defensive team. They they do not play defense. They are towards the bottom half, if not the bottom third of the mm-hmm. league when it comes to defensive stats. So you do not want to get into an up and down, you know, kind of running match with this team. You got to sit down and play defense. You know, I know that's hard hard to do, or you know, a word that nobody talks about in the NBA. Um, but you know, when it comes to playoff time, that usually is the difference. Mm-hmm. Is is you know, teams that actually get motivated to play, you know, defense a little bit more are the teams that, that continue to move on in, in the playoffs. So we'll see, obviously, yeah, the series, uh, shifting down, you know, staying in California, but, you know, shifting to golden state here for, for games three and four, uh, game, game three is on Thursday, you know, Thursday night. So we'll see if the, the warriors can, can write the ship without, you know, possibly one of their, you know, one of their glue guys in, in, uh, you know, Draymond. So we'll see what, uh, what the NBA decides to do there. Then, the uh, final series over in the West. Again, another little bit of a you know surprising game one. Uh, Phoenix Suns um, taking an L in game one by a score of one fifteen to one ten to the to the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, Matt, do you think do you think the Suns are in trouble in this one, or you
0: know, do you think they write the ship in game two? I'll tell you the, the biggest surprise of that game was Russell Westbrook, mm, <laughs> a, mm-hmm. a guy kind of showing some signs of his mm-hmm. old All Star mm-hmm. self in that game. You know that that. Was, that's going to be a key for L.A. Mm. If he can continue to play like that, mm-hmm. and then if they get Paul George back on top of that with mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. uh, holy cow, that, that's a team that you may be talking about a heading dark for horse, the championship. Yeah, dark I mean, horse NBA finals. Wow. yeah. So, yeah. you know, if they can keep playing like that, yeah. Yeah, the Suns better look out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they got a ton of talent on that right. team, but they still haven't really figured out how to play together mm-hmm. yet either. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Durant's got the heart of a champion Mm -hmm. though. So I I think that's going to help. You got Chris Paul who just wants to be there more than anything (laughs) in the world, but doesn't have that playoff success. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. This this is going to be an interesting series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned it, you know, unfortunately I, it it sounds like Paul George is not going to suit up at least in this first round at all. Um, It sounds like, yeah, the knee injury just still, still bothering him, you know, not, not able to, to suit up or whatever, but, and I'll include myself in this. I, I gave the Clippers no chance whatsoever if Paul George wasn't able to suit up. They came out and shocked me and, you know, surprised me taking game one. And I think that's, you know, obviously always a key going on the road, getting a key victory on the road against a Suns team that, yeah, I think a lot of people as are, 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 you know, picking to make a run here in the Western conference after making the trade for Kevin Durant at the trade deadline. But again, just not a lot of time on the court with, with all those pieces you know, what we'll see how it, how it plays out. Uh, they, they also have game two tonight. Um, so we'll see if they can write the ship, you know, the Suns can write the ship and, you know, go, go to LA, you know, tied one-to-one, or if they go to LA down to nothing um, in this, in this one. So it's uh, going to be interesting, obviously. Yeah. Playoffs continue to, you know, push forward, both in the NHL and the NBA. We're going to be talking about it here for the next several weeks. So you know if you like if you like playoff hockey like NBA playoff time you know this is you know, stick with our stick with our show because we'll be talking a lot about yeah. it. So. And
0: I, I'm going to make a real quick retraction from an earlier comment I made about a uh, Corpusillo. You were right; he right. he actually started nine games in the playoffs okay. in 2019-2020. Yeah, went three and five. Right. And for some reason, I thought Bob's was the starter on that team, mm-hmm. but it, but it was Corpy. My bad on yeah, that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, it,
0: we make mistakes just like everybody. <laughs> you know, we're not we
1: we we like to call ourselves experts, but uh, we're not always accurate all the time. So. All right. Well, that does it for our show tonight. We uh, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal,
0: Matt Corda. We uh, hope
1: you enjoyed our episode this week. And if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. Uh, We have an Instagram where you can find us over at Fired Up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at Fired Up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about the show. Um, you can also find all of our past episodes and even this episode uh, posted on all of our uh, you know different uh, podcasting platforms. So Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, pretty much where, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find our show. So appreciate y'all listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.